Welcome to the Chase Merrill Podcast. I am your host, Chase Merrill, and we are all about helping people get freed up from what's holding them back so they can build up who they were made to be. If you want to help us continue to make an impact with this podcast week in and week out, consider joining our new Patreon community. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can be a part of helping us get the message and mission of the podcast out to more people more effectively. This is a way that we can come together as a community and you'll get access to behind the scenes stuff, additional resources and content and so much more for just as little as $5 a month. You can head over to chasemerrill.com and click Patreon to jump in and get started. Now let's jump into today's conversation. Well, here we go. Welcome to the Chase Merrill podcast. Today, my guest with me is Pastor Kelly Schmidt. Hi, Pastor Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Yeah, I should say Pastor Kelly and then uh, the present role that you're in, although I don't know you ever stop being uh, a pastor, uh, especially a pastor at heart. But when the title shifts, you know, um, I just know that that's part of who you are. But uh, right now you are in a, a, a different kind of role that you've also had and held as well as you've been a pastor. But Professor uh, Kelly uh, down at George Fox University, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. welcome to the podcast. I cannot wait to have this conversation with you as part of the 52 project, someone on my 52 list who's made an impact in my life. And I get to share a piece of that with the world today, a piece of you, if you will. And um, just super thankful to get to do that today. For those that have no clue who you are and you know, no concept of the, the connection or relationship here, would you give them just a little snapshot who you are, maybe where you are right now in the world, kind of what you're doing? Yeah. I, you know, I, I certainly don't think I'm anyone that's that significant, but I've been able to do some things. I think some unique things that I bring is that I was not raised in a Christian family, per se. I met Jesus when I was in college and so grateful for that, so grateful for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship that I was part of. But that really captivated my life. And from there, I went on and was able to work as a campus minister, was able to be a missionary in China, and eventually was able to get involved with a local church. Really, I was hoping it would be a short time gig, but I got involved with Church of Living Water. And apparently I needed a lot of work and a lot of coaching because I was able to do that for nine years and really benefit from the teaching and the leadership and then went to California and was with another church. And now, you know, I really, during all of those phases, I said, well, this is what I'm going to do. And about the time I left Living Water, I stopped saying, this is what I'm going to do and just said, Lord, I'll go wherever you lead me. And currently that is at George Fox in Oregon where I get to be a professor, but also since George Fox is a Christian university, really get to do what I've always done, which is leadership development. Yeah. And uh, so I'm an assistant professor of management and I'm training future leaders, which is what I've always done. And so yeah. I get to do that in a great way. It's so yeah. exciting. I'm thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would add to that. You're, you're great at doing that. I got the, have a little window of that uh, up close and personal uh, for about a year and a half. It felt like maybe it was just, um, maybe it was just under, but um, or just over. But either way, uh, you so you came in the, on the scene in, in my life and uh, Holly and I's life in our church's life here in uh, Lacey, Washington. As you uh, came back to the area to oh. to to finish work on, I mean, can't, are you are you your 
you have finished it or you're almost finished it? I can't remember. Almost finished. So my PhD, COVID, all of those things are colliding. And so, yeah, I come back to uh, Olympia where my parents live. Yeah. So, so, you know, working on your PhD and, and I had no clue who you were, uh, until you came. And then I had people say, Hey, you know, Pastor Kelly's back in town and, you know, you'd come and, uh, visited back at living water at our Olympic campus, Pastor John von Kobler. And at that stage, um, we were had, I think we had just kind of determined as we'd been praying about what the Lord was doing with, Mm -hmm. if we were going to step into this role as leading, uh, living water Lacey or, or not. We felt like God was in it. And uh, you came in and you basically, you met with Pastor John and said, hey, I'm here. I'm working on uh, my PhD and I've got a little extra time to just be, be wherever you need help, support, leadership, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm willing and ready to serve and just be a, a, a help in whatever way. To which at that point, you know, I think he knew uh, the... The, the the assistance that I would <laughs> I would need stepping into uh, the leadership role of a of a campus and for the first time, and not only that but the transition you know for us mm-hmm. we we came together with a a four square church that had been um, in existence for close to eighteen years their pastors had retired and had moved away and we came in to um, become the new pastors and really look at coming together in relaunching, restarting um, as a Living Water Lacey campus. And so that was where he, I think there was some kind of like, hey, there's a, a younger guy who's going to be taking, you know, this church and uh, he, he probably could use some wisdom and some experience in his, uh, in his world. Would you be willing to kind of uh, walk a journey with him? So that's where, where we got introduced. And then I just, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I think I was in the office area when you had had, I don't know, you'd come up and had a meeting with Pastor John or talking, I don't know when it was, and thinking that he had made that comment and thinking like, okay, I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm trying to get to know all these other people and like, this is still kind of spinning for me. I don't really feel like this is going to pan out. Like this person that used to be living water of old that I didn't really get to be a part of and is going to be here and help this new thing. Like, I can't imagine she'll really like, that'll really come, like be seen seen through. I just Mm -hmm. thought like, great but like, I don't think, I don't think it'll probably actually happen where she'll come to Lacey and will. And I just was so off. I was so far from correct and so surprised in the best way with the gift that God gave us having you uh, step into just being uh, around us and our team in the formation of what God was doing as we launched Living Water Lacey um, in those beginning months and through that first year or so back in uh, September 2021. And uh, it, it like one of the most surprising and unexpected gifts the Lord gave me in that whole first year in ministry uh, that looking back on the last couple of years that we've been here and where we are now, um, I, I made a comment today at church of a couple that uh, was a part of the church before and helped us transition. And they're now transitioning to uh, another church, another season, uh, how instrumental God used them in some of those first days and in a similar way. So people that are listening have a context uh, right out of the gate. Like the first year of leading at that level of uh, uh, leading a church campus, it was really hard. It wasn't just the ministry itself being hard and challenging. Life was hard for me that year. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't experienced really up to that point. And there were a lot of days where, um, I, I I don't think I felt like I could do anything right. 
where I felt like all of the decisions that needed to be made seemed like there was no way I was going to pick the right one and or uh, just discouragement was heavy. And there were there were days where after having a conversation with you or the way the Lord used you to encourage me, uh, speak life over me, help me see something from a different perspective that like we're just absolutely like monumental in in me staying the course through that really difficult mm-hmm. time that I would have probably hello hello for the viewers the little kitty <laughs> I love it hi um, now get down you good <laughs> I love it so for for me like it, you know people won't really know people that have, haven't been in ministry in that way and like again you've seen so much of that from the highs mm-hmm. and lows and everything in between. So, so you got to come in and really just, you know, be a person that had been there, done that and go, Hey, it's going to be okay. You're doing all right. Here's a way you could grow. Um, and it was just such a massive gift. And I know, I know I just went on for a while now, but it, for those listening, watching, I can't express how much Pastor Kelly meant and still does, but meant to us in that season. I don't think we would have been, we wouldn't have been able to walk through it with the strength and endurance that we were able to without the the words, wisdom and leadership that you brought to our team and to our mm-hmm. lives personally. So on a initial thank you, thank you. That's a that's a big chunk of the impact. Um, and uh, wow, I think part of the, the leadership space that I think was and still is something that has left its mark on our our team is how you poured into people uh, when you were here and led leaders while you were here. Um, Will you talk about that passion for leadership and developing leaders? You know, I know where you are right now mm-hmm. and where a lot of where you have been as well has been um, next generation, kind of like young, young adult, younger people. I remember hearing you have a real heart for that as well, but it's really been people across the board. Your passion for leadership and leadership development has mm-hmm. been there. What, where did that come from? And like, just where did that get its start? Yeah. Well, first, because, well, first, thank you as privilege. But let me just say, yay, Holy Spirit, because I'm not particularly known for being an encourager. And I really believe that the Lord, through many processes, but in that season, I think there was a real way where maybe healing and different things where I was just like, you know, my goal here is just to cheer you on and... I think one of the things that I learned is how powerful that is. I would also clarify, you know, when I think you you paint the picture of what this type of restarting the church was, like you were in the absolute most difficult context. I mean, when, there's one thing to plan a church, like from nothing. That's a whole that's a whole very difficult concept. But when you take a church that exists and then you try to revive it or have it change into something else, that is the most difficult thing to do. And I think one of the things I observed as you came in is there was a lot of dissatisfaction and you kind of took the brunt of that, but you did it so graciously and you did it in a way that like honor, that was what and I, I love Church of Living Water because I really do think Pastor John has instilled this concept of we honor those who've gone before us. But it was a tough place to honor, and yet you repeatedly honored and 
And that impact, you couldn't just go in there and say, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. Either get behind me or we're leaving. You came in and you said, man, I want to honor what you've done. I'm going to make changes slowly, but I'm still going to make changes. I'm going to be humble. And I'm sure there are tons of critiques. And yet for me, I was just like, I could just get to sit in the back and cheer you on and just go, hey, great, great job. And if there really is something heretical or a huge red flag, I will wave it. Yeah, but totally. here's what I know is I know that I've survived making tons of mistakes and you are doing so much better than I did when I was at that age. So I just thank the Holy Spirit and it was wonderful. That was so great. I think I, again, young guys and I haven't always gotten along, even Pastor John and I, we've had to work really hard to build our relationship and now have a wonderful relationship but boy, I think with you, something clicked where I was like, man, I can, I can cheer this guy on. And he gives me hope for the future of the church. Hmm. I was a numbskull when I was his age compared to where he is. And that gives me so excited. And really, I think the Lord spoke to me out of that, that this next season of my life, again, shockingly, I moved to a new town. I get involved in a church. And guess what? There's a 30-something pastor who I get to cheer on. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this yeah. feels like deja vu. So, yeah. so well, I just want to make sure that's clear that yeah. it was a tough year. It'll always be a tough year. Your first pastorate, you had a uniquely tough year. Yeah. And you, well, you survived I, and that's good. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I, I, I'll, I'll come back to that question on leadership in a second too. You sure. made me think about one more thing is as you, you responded, I, I appreciate those words as well. That the, um, you know, there was this, when we had prayed and considered about stepping in there, part of what I, in my like ability to take what I felt the Lord confirming us, which was a call to this assignment, right? We still layered everything through this filter of wisdom and discernment uh, with that. Um, you know, and, and did, if he would have said go without any of that, we would have done it anyway, but there was, there's still that kind of that grid of like, okay, some wisdom and discernment. And, and I thought through the lens, okay, this is different than just a normal church plant blending a church that came before and then also coming from a church where there was a culture pre-established that people might come to anticipate or expect as well, you know, kind of brought two ends of expectation to a new, you know, version of what was going to come up that I, I went and looked at all that, you know, with some foresight, not enough to know actually what was going to happen, but with that was in my mind. And at that, at that time, pastor Steve and Joan Perdue, seasoned ministers, you know, in, in their later years, 40 plus years of ministry, et cetera, had been in the interim role at the church while things were in transition. And where Pastor Steve and I were, was kind of, we had great relationship. This is an amazing mentor of mine who, you know, I loved dearly and made a massive impact. In fact, if he was still alive, he would be on this project without a doubt. For sure. Um, For sure. And, and when he, when he passed away, first the first couple months that we had started uh, Living Water Lacey, there was like a, it was just such a huge blow to me mm -hmm. because of this this sense of of experience and wisdom and leadership out of a person that was able to kind of go again, like I mentioned, I've been there and done that, but with a I want to see you win and succeed mm -hmm. as well. Um, that that the Lord just brought you in a again, so unexpected way, but like such a clear pastoral presence for me. Like it wasn't just ministry role, job at the church, kind of you can fill this need. It was like a personal gift of without Pastor Steve's presence, 
there was this void and it was like, God was like, well, I'm going to answer that in large part with, with Kelly Schmidt. And you're going to be able to have not only an advocate, somebody who's championing you and cheering you on, but is also going to be a, when you don't know what to do, you're going to have a lot of comfort being able to go, Hey, what, you know, what do you see? And how can you help me as I'm getting my feet from under me, lead other people who are trying to help me. Right. That was what I recognized. Uh, I didn't even really understand what I had until it was gone was your ability to come around me and the other leaders and volunteers and people God was bringing and then be a conduit, a bridge, you know, liaison, whatever else you want to say to be able to go, here's how, you know, you, you around Chase and Holly can help grow and go where God's calling you guys to go. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that pastor Steve, that, that gap that he left, uh, you were able to fill. So anyway, just that Mm -hmm. I'll I'll kind of wrap up there, but man, that, that, can't it be understated the the gift that that was let's brag on pastor steve and pastor joan real quick yeah they're amazing people impacted my life as well i'll be honest with you that's who i told john i wanted to work with was steve purdue and then you guys over the summer had made this switch so yeah um, you know the lord knew, knew what he was doing but that's quite an honor and yeah talk about a man who's filled with encouragement that's yeah. steve purdue so yeah, yeah. well I think his wisdom and their, both their understanding is that, you know, we can always be more strategic. We can always make decisions. But again, it's that fundamental character of loving Christ and loving people and all the details will work out. Yes. And that first year, again, we want to love people. We want to care for them. And it was not an easy situation to do that with the dynamics that you did. You, yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I can so, talk about leadership if you want. Yeah, just what I, mean, I think. I think because I think the other unique piece of that too, right, is you're, you are, um, you have been, you are, have been, and continue to be like a a strong leadership force in the mm-hmm. world that you're around. You, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, passivity. There's not a lot of like you 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 lead with you lead from and with strength and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's, there's, it, it stands out in such a like contagious way. And I, I, and so like, again, it's not something it, it, it oozes out of who you are, but it obviously is something that you have grown in and determined to build up in your life. And so where did that come from? I guess that that's, that's the thing I think, because I see it so passionate in you, um, and across the different you know, spectrums, ministry, marketplace, business, whatever, Mm -hmm. where, where did it come? Where did that passion for leadership really come from? Yeah, I I would say that in terms of teaching or even theology, the main place that came from was my time in college with InterVarsity. And there was a really strong emphasis in that process that really understood the gospel. And our responsibility as Christian was to influence other people. So when we talk about discipleship or we talk about influence, you can define that in so many different ways. But in that context, I was uh, influenced by the idea that we are called to intentionally go out and interact with other people and engage them in a way that doesn't just give information, but that gives life transformation. And that is what happened to me. You know, I went to college and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't a believer. I hadn't been raised in a Christian family. And, you know, I blatantly said to my parents, what is the farthest college I can go to, to get away from you? 
That is not a good, that's not a good thing. You don't want to say that, but it, yeah. it happened to be Eastern Washington University. And in my high school career, I'd been searching and hadn't found it, but was being influenced by music and some of my friends. But the minute I went to college, there was a sign in my dorm that said, hey, there's a Bible study. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to that. And so by October, I had become a Christian through these little Bible studies. Wow. And within that context, I was like, I knew I needed help. And so I remember approaching one of the leaders and said, hey, would you be open to meeting with me like on a weekly basis so we could talk about the scripture because I know nothing. And she's like, Abs absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that really is what you want to do, but I was like, I'm so hungry. Yeah. And what we were taught was, well, then now you need to go out and you need to meet with people and talk to them about their life with Jesus or, or their engagement with Christ. And so this idea that discipleship and leadership really are almost synonymous. Now, within that, there is a book that really talks about some of these ideas. It's by Robert Coleman. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And it really looks at how did Jesus do his ministry? Well, he did not stand up on a hill and say, who wants to follow me? Right. Put your name down on this list. He went and he found people and he said, hey, Andrew, Peter, James, John, I see something follow me. I'm giving you this opportunity. And then he lived life with them. Yeah. He did day-to-day -day stuff. He, he talked about engaging all those things. Now, it's not a perfect model, but for me, I didn't grow up in the church. I, I struggled with the church because it doesn't have that model all the time. Sure. But for me, that's what it means in terms of leadership means that you walk alongside someone intentionally engaging them with the goal of developing them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that ability to have the balance and the patience. Okay. This is, this is one of the ones that I want to, I want to hear your perspective on, because I think when it comes to life, but ministry, especially because it's my most prevalent context and I am leading a lot of people that are learning how to lead people in mm -hmm. the, the tension and the balance between how to have the proper amount of patience or endurance with somebody with where they are while trying to help them equip, uh, help equip them and take them to a greater place of growth or transformation. Uh, like when you think about some of just principally, but maybe even if you have any ex examples, but like what, what, what would you say to the person struggling right now where they are in their role? Okay. Ministry, business, whatever. And they've got somebody in their world that they are responsible for or have a desire for to help take on a journey of development, growth, maturity, whatever. But it just seems like the person's desire does not match their desire to take them on that same place. Where have you found like those, how do you know where to find the balance between that patience and endurance and like the, like, you know, let's get up and go or challenge and sharpen and call out or rebuke or exhort. How do you, how do you navigate that with people without just completely punting on the situation? Yeah. Well, first I wish I could say that I've always done this well or even good and I can't. Sure, so sure. if I have any former disciples that, you know, I need to <laughs> repent to, I, I will do that. So that being said, I just want to acknowledge that I've gotten much better as I've gotten older, but I do think there are some principles that, that I've learned to 
or some tools that I've learned to do better with. Yeah. Uh, and one is you need to ask yourself, well, what are the fundamental characteristics that you're looking for? And I'll be honest with you, this, I don't know where this comes from, but I've stole it and use it and pass it on regularly. For me, I look for fat people, fat people. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, a little in that acronym that's so first, first faithfulness. So before if you, you can't do anything with someone who is not there. They need to be faithful. They need to show up. They need, you know, the second thing is available. So there may be people in your sphere who are faithful. They come regularly, but they're not available for another level or another challenge. And, and I want to say, I think when I was younger, I was very judgmental about that. Now I go, there are seasons. Yeah. And I'm much more gracious going, man, this is your whole life. And while this, you may not be available in this season, that may be a season, but there has to be, are you willing to put in the work to learn and to grow and to even go, go through the process or be in the, in the process? And that's a question for me as well, because sure. this is going to be a process. The final thing, and I would say one of the most important things is, are you teachable? You know, I wish that I could say I was a model disciple. I was, I think there was some good things. I was a bit of a rebel you know, growing up uh, in my faith, even I'm sure Pastor Bert has some stories. Now, I think he likes rebels, but I think there was some some rebellious there. But I always wanted to be open to going, how can I grow and do better? So is there there's that teachability? Are you open to correction? Now, I don't think that's perfect yeah. because, again, you have to you have to have some moxie to lead and to, to move forward. Yeah. Uh, but we don't always have to be Peters, yeah. but we also can't always just be Thomas's, right? Yeah. You need to Good. grow. You need to be stretched and grown whichever direction, right? I don't ever need to be told to be more intentional. Usually I usually need to be told to be more graceful. Yeah. And so what's the, the balance? So I think you have to start with what are you looking for and I would caution as a leadership, since that's what I do is I teach leadership now, like more as an expert, be careful of looking for the things that may be stereotypically. The best leaders aren't always the loudest. Right. The best leaders aren't always the person who's making the most noise or the coolest person or whatever you want. It's not a personality type. Yeah. I mean, I'm an introvert. I don't know. Are you an extrovert? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm, I think I, the, I was telling somebody this couple, couple months ago, I think the longer I'm a lead pastor, the more introverted I realize. Fair, I really enough. Fair <laughs> enough. You want to be a park ranger every Monday. Yeah. Yep. Get away from the people. Yep. Yes. Yes. So really be good. careful of that and be looking for those deeper qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I think my, again, my only redeeming thing is I really wanted to get to know more about Jesus and people stuck with me. So when you ask, how do I get over in the process? I remember how, what people did for me. That's the biggest thing. Again, yeah. I was the biggest knucklehead in most of the situations I was in. And people were like, I see something in her. If we just, if we just hang on. Yeah. 
God what can was, redeem her. What was, yeah, oh, for sure. And he, and that's evident, but I, I think that there, I, so I've heard this, you know, in previous moments with you, but even in this conversation that I think it's, it's pretty enlightening, not enlightening, but it's, um, it, it, it shines light. I guess that's enlightening. It's enlightening to, I think, a, a really important thing that you have discovered or have figured out that is caught more than is taught in the way that you're speaking and communicating. And, and I, I'd love to press it for a second. And it's just this, how you, you've made the comment, as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten better to some degree. Like, that's kind of what you phrased. Like, I wasn't always like this. I wasn't always known as an encourager, but now I am in, in a couple of those. That That is not always or i would even say normally the outcome when it comes to even the leaders within the church uh that they as they get older they actually are they actually are looking more like jesus or they are uh the the rougher edges if you will are getting smoother um that 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 there's that i don't see that very often it's not common i guess i guess i'm trying to acknowledge and yet here you are not only acknowledging it, but, but, but even in a way, like I, there's a genuine and authentic, like celebration to what mm-hmm. God has done. He's redeemed. Right. Um, like I, I don't really know even what the question is, but I want to, I want to point it out because I, I, I think that there's something there that all of us, whether we are, you know, seasoned leaders and have been in something for a long time, or we're just starting out that there's a humility there and an authenticity that you've, you have captured that it seems like um, is super refreshing and it's just not common. Do you feel like that 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 has been was there a, was there a moment that that happened? Mm-hmm. Was there a couple moments or was it just something that ongoingly it's been this progression? Like, can you can you give us more insight like on, yeah. on that? Yeah. And it, one of your questions is what what is freedom look like for you? Right. right. Yeah. So the whole freedom to build up conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that may be a great place for which you to speak I, I could give many examples sure. to that. So the thing I would say is, you know, I think the Christian just in general, the Christian faith is not, hey, I start and I just keep getting better and, and more less. I need to look, depend on Jesus less. I think that's completely wrong. I, you know, we have Paul at the end of his life saying, I'm the chief of all sinners. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think the more you get to know Christ, the more you go, man, number one, thank you for saving me because I see my flaws and my wretchedness. And I am, I'm not independent of you. I'm more dependent on you. And so while I've had many places of freedom that we could talk about, I would say the biggest shift in my life has been realizing that I don't this, this whole ministry thing, this whole being a Christian thing is not about me performing. Hmm. So it's really not about me. Now, the big way that that happened is I lost my job. Hmm. And if your identity is wrapped up in what you do, it will kill you. Yeah. Because suddenly I wasn't, I wasn't a pastor on staff. I wasn't doing all these things. And I had to go, well, what, what does this mean And and what does that look like? And the freedom of identity. So I think the older you get, the less you you have to go. You have to be careful that I'm not building my kingdom. And I think that's the big switch. I think before when I was younger, I was like, everyone look at me. I'm building this kingdom. And now I'm like, we're just building the kingdom. So I can cheer for a young guy like Chase because if he wins, I win. 
Yeah. If I can cheer for this other person in this other context, because it doesn't have to be about me, because my identity is in Christ, not in this role that I do. And that the freedom with that is so amazing. Now, I think along the way, I do feel this idea of calling. I've struggled and gone, well, what's my calling? Am I called? I've done... My job as an assistant pastor is the first secular job I've ever had. I did ministry for my whole life. So, I mean, you know, I'm like, huh, first time it's great. You know, it's great in many ways, but I think what I would say is the freedom for me, one of the things that I have figured out with my calling is I'm not called to necessarily preach or do these things, but I get to call to raise up leaders. And the Lord spoke to me, really, because I was on this journey of, should I be a senior pastor? Should I not? And the Lord really said, you know, the way that you're going to build the kingdom is not you being a pastor, which is really, it's good. But if you raise up people who are senior pastors, mm-hmm. that's be so much better. And I'm like, well, what what's the good number, Lord? And he said, well, why don't you start with 10? And I think I'm six in Let's go. of convincing or not convincing, but encouraging people and challenging people to look and say, I say, I see something in you. Have you ever thought about full-time ministry and people who've gone on to get their pastoral license and then go start a church and do those things. And I can tell you, right, that that makes me more excited than anything I can do. Yeah. And right now with my students, I tell them, I said, listen, I hope that all of you go on to be greater than I am that will give me so much pleasure because I'm small, but you all impacting your lives, you can go, it's that exponential growth. You know, Jesus had 12 guys and yet the the way he sowed into them has produced this worldwide church. Yeah. Why yeah. do we not follow that model? So yeah. over the years, I must way more excited about what, the people I influenced you and so excited when they succeed. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if in that six count that you, if I'm in that or not, but I, if, if I'm a, maybe I'm a side to the six, but I, I should count because of the way that your encouragement and that kind of stuff really kept, kept me in that calling for, mm-hmm. you know, kind of protected me in that for that mm-hmm. first difficult season. Uh, and, and I think, I think part of what, I heard you say just now too, is that confidence and security in your identity, how freeing it is. Um, I, and I, I would add to that. Not only did I see that, right? Like I, when you came in any practically, physically, anytime you came into the, the church or to meet with me or to pray with me or to whatever, uh, there, there wasn't an, there wasn't this, any, any flavor of it. Like, like she's here to prove herself or to prove something to me. Or, or that if I don't, if, if she doesn't convince me of this or that, then this will be a, an, uh, an, an ineffective or a, a not productive one. There was, there was such a tangible sense of security that you brought to those moments that I watched you living in that freedom. And then it just made it more effective and, and potent for me. And so, um, that was something that I, I, I think in ministry as a leader that, and when it comes to people that want to be in and around and involved, a lot of the time it comes with this caveat. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but the caveat kind of comes with a, 
it does it, it does kind of come with the subliminal like i i want to prove myself to you mm -hmm. i want to prove that i'm worth i'm valuable or i have something to contribute and all of that stuff is is not bad it's good stuff right we mm -hmm. i mean it's it's wired in all of us but but i think at times part of what i think why i mentioned i'm kind of connecting some of the dots live time as i'm saying it what the the what was an unexpected surprise uh, it also was that it i didn't feel like you were wanting or needing to be involved to prove that you had something to contribute uh, mm -hmm. to, to our leadership space. Although you had a ton to contribute. I felt like your confidence and security was like, I, I have, I have it. And, and if you want it, great. If not great, but I'm, you know, I'm available or I'm here, all that. Mm -hmm. And that was what made it, I think even more effective and attractive was like, yes. And, and I wish people period, but leaders especially would capture some of that. Like there is something so confident and attractive to a, a person and a leader who is not trying to prove anything to anybody or prove mm -hmm. themselves uh, to their value, their worth or whatever. And, and it, it's just crazy how upside down it is, right? Like you mm -hmm. think the less you try to prove the actual, the more proving, the more you prove it. <laughs> it's just such a leadership backwards, you know, yep. principle, but you, you demonstrated that so well. And, and, and I think it, that's one of the other things I recognize as you're talking to, it really stood out uh, about that about who you were in that season and who you continue to be, as you say, wanting to champion other people. And um, it, it's just something that it is. It's so Jesus, you see so Jesus centered stuff in that. And it's, it's awesome. The next generation, uh, if you will, my, my generation, and then the, the younger, even then, right. I, I'm not saying I'm in the youngest generation anymore. That's for sure. But I think that there's going to need to be a larger shift in how, leaders take that approach in order to um, captivate their hearts in a mm -hmm. way that will be effective for future leading and developing. And I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know how else to communicate that, but I, I could see it being yeah. an extremely effective thing to reach the next generation and almost like a necessary uh, skill and tool to know, not a manipulative thing, not a, a disingenuous thing but like to genuinely have the ability to do what you're talking about i think it's going to continue to need to be something that leaders develop yeah well i do think there is some developmental just growing up in life sure um and now i don't i don't i have a small sample size but i've been very impressed with at least some of the leaders that i've seen in in foursquare that are young that i'm like wow they are so much more humble so I don't know if some of that is a reaction to some of the toxic leadership that, you know, certainly I was influenced and that I led out of that influence, that there really is not only a cultural shift, but even within the church yeah. is pushing back. But I will say what I appreciate and what I would challenge people, two things, remember leadership, in my opinion, and even discipleship it really is about the character of Christ. So um, obviously there are tools and there's strategy and I love talking about that, but really what everything has to come back to character and not that a person needs to have perfect character. You cannot set them to that standard. Right. I think you have to say, how are they growing? Yeah. And that their roles should develop them into more Christ-likeness. I imagine we could talk about, you would go, man, compared to where I was two years ago, what have, how, what have I learned about the, the grace and the mercy and the character of Christ and how that's been developed 
in me. I'm sure you could give some yeah. very tangible realities. Yeah. So we have to rethink, you know, discipleship can't just be about information. Information is important, yeah. but a real true discipleship is walking with someone as they struggle with how do I develop these character traits. And I don't think that has as much to do with age. Do not assume that a per because a person is older, they've got a perfect developed character. You will be disappointed. Right. Don't assume because a person is younger, they haven't done some of these things, but be willing to go into some of those hard conversations. I am grateful for the leaders in my life that at different times had those hard conversations about character growth. And I will say the points of regret that I have is when leaders did not have those conversations or I wasn't open to those conversations. Yeah. So yeah. as when you're leading other people, you can't shy away. Now it can't always be, here's the way that you're not perfect and like Christ, because that's just discouraging. Don't. But you have to look for those Holy Spirit led times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Again, I think something I'm learning is celebration actually is work. Again, when you've got a humble person who's really trying, that usually can encourage thing and encouraging them and saying, I want to encourage you and speak courage to you pays multiple dividends. Yeah. Now, if you were a little more arrogant, we probably would have had some knockdown, drag out sure. confrontations sure. because I'm not afraid of that. But right. unfortunately, you were humble and. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I, I hope, I hope so. But I also, I think that's part of what I respected as well was like, I knew you would, I knew, I knew I wouldn't, I wouldn't get to skate by on anything no. like that. You would be able to call me out on that and, uh, and, and sharpen me, challenge me. And, uh, so yeah, no, I think that's so good. When I, we, one other big significant thing about the, the, who you are, not just what you've done or what you do, uh, part of like your, life and testimony, um, and, and really call. I think, I think that's a, a, an accurate way to, to describe it as well, um, is a, around this, uh, idea and concept of biblical singleness mm. and, uh, the conversations that we've gotten to have over this, the time that I've gotten to know you. And I, I one of my favorite conversations that I got to have, we did together as a, a sermon kind of Q and a time with our young adult ministry a couple of years ago. And, um, I, I'll never forget that just the it was one of the I just one of the most I just so enjoyed getting to have that conversation with you in front of a group of young adults hungry to learn and grow and 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 see a healthy example of of an option a biblical like option and, and path that could be something that is considered and walked in and not any less than what God mm -hmm. has for their best for his best for their life and 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 so anyway just that was so I, and, and I think we even have it uh, the podcast of it recorded from a sermon thing somewhere in the you know sermon sphere hopefully I can find it because it is it was such a great conversation and you know we won't get into all of that but will you just give give us a, a, a little bit of that window of that call on your life and really how you've walked out something that is for most of the people that are going to be listening to this it's going to it's going to seem or feel probably a little foreign or unfamiliar mm -hmm. because it's not often that at least in my own life that I have uh, healthy represented representation and example mm -hmm. of, of like a, a lifetime um, relationship, friend, person, mentor, whatever that I can go. Mm -hmm. This is their life. 
and this is a great example of of what this is and uh and it's like it's actually up close mm-hmm. i have i have relationship right i don't i don't have that i don't think a lot of people do and yet you bring something really unique to this space as part of who god's called you to be uh can you share a little bit about that just for yeah. those that are like that's such a maybe foreign concept for them you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with the idea of a calling in one direction, sure. but if we want to use that terminology, what I would say is, I think everyone needs to go before the Lord and really submit their life and say, what do you have for me? So if we want to use the term calling, then I think it's okay to say, well, I feel called to be married or, and and you need to know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in my own journey, uh, the Lord said, hey, if you want that, you can pursue that. Now, he did say it will not be the best for you. Sure. Uh, and I don't think that would have been, it would be something bad, but I think the Lord knew something about me and what he wanted me to do with my life. The truth is, I would say there is a way that our the church, especially the evangelical church, we've not done a good job of presenting the truth that you as a Christian it is not marriage that fulfills you. It's Jesus Christ. And that just as uh, marriage is a a tremendous place of character growth, tremendous, I'm probably one of the most tremendous places, so can singleness be and having kids and all this stuff. So I think for me, really the issue was that I wanted to say yes to Jesus along these ways. And this is how he said you can best say yes. And there would have been things that I could not have done probably as effectively if I were married that I've been able to do. There are ways I have discretionary time because I am single and I don't have any children. Now, I would also say there are convictions that I hold that because I'm single and I don't have any children, I hold convictions. So one of those things is I love babysitting your kids because I think, just because I'm single and I don't have any kids doesn't mean I shouldn't care for other yeah. people's kids. Yeah. And that's just a conviction that I've always taken with me that we're all called to care for and raise up the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. I think whatever stance you choose, and this was the biggest process for me is you need to go into your calling healthy. Just because God has said, hey, I do not want man to be alone does not mean just because you get married, you're in a healthy relationship. Right. And one of the things that I saw through my life was I saw people who did get married and it wasn't healthy. And I went, well, that's now we've just compounded the the issue. And I was like, well, that is better to be single than to be in that. So I would challenge you, whatever you feel like you or might be called to do pursue Christ so that you're healthy and that character is developed because we're called to serve no matter what. I, th- I think the world tells us, go get married so you can get stuff out of this. Yeah. And marriage is a call to service, but singleness is also a call to service. There are just different things yeah. that you, different ways that you serve. For me, the thing, the advice that I would give to I'll give it to single people and then I'll give it to married people. Number one, this being single is not, and let's simplify. This is not, I'm not single where I go, I'm just waiting for the right guy to come along. And when the right guy comes along, then I'll be married. I've made a decision that even if the right guy comes along, I would not marry him. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I've made that choice. It is okay to be in a situation where you're single and you still want to be married. Let's not put that down. But again, the challenge is your happiness and your godliness cannot be wrapped up in that it would be fulfilled when you get married. The truth is, statistically, everyone is going to be single at some point, either before they get married or when you're going to be a widower or you know, something may happen. And so you have to deal with that. Now, what I would say to couple people, well, the final thing I'd say to single people is don't be weird. Don't be needy. Learn, get healthy so that when people interact with you, they don't go, here's a weird single person. They go, here's a healthy single person that I can engage with. You are not defined by your marital status. So don't you be the one who keeps doing that. Yeah. Couples, you know, we need to include single people in our lives. I think the thing for me is I just don't let couples not include me in their lives. So I push my way into their yeah. lives and say, oh, and they go, oh, you're not weird. And they go, oh, yeah, you're kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, okay. Yes. I mean, I, that was just like a rapid fire. Of Sorry. Old, you know, no, that was so good. I just hope you know, I, people go back and re-listen to a few of those because it was like boom, boom, boom. But, but yes, yes. And yes. Like I, I, you know, I don't think that when, before I met you, it wasn't that I didn't, I didn't see those things as opportunity, like uh, as potentials. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to describe what, the Lord did, except for just, he, he, he's, uh, he firmed up those potentials in a deepened and more clear way in my heart and soul to the way that now every day or every time I communicate from the pulpit platform, uh, preach, teach, there's a different lens. And it's a lens of like being careful, more careful than I used to be around even how I un, um, unknowingly or you know, just I, I communicate or, or say something to the effect of marriage or relationship being the pursuit or the assumptive posture of the person I'm speaking to and then completely forgetting about or not mentioning or, you know, and, and, and again, it wasn't I haven't heard you be this. Hey, everybody, I, I'm I'm single and don't forget about me. That's not been it. It hasn't been your your flag that you've been waving to like, you know, that like it, it, it has just been like exactly like you said, you have you have made a statement with your life that is undeniably like th this is so healthy. Like we want I want you closer to me. I want you in. I want my kids around you. I want you to be around whatever it is like there is a who you are that is attractive to the the humanity of 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 a of of people in relationship to go you're a living breathing example of a healthy human who is pursuing jesus and and in that a part of your journey is the decision that you've made to pursue singleness and and i i just i hadn't and and so i i guess i'm being even more careful now to you know and i'm i'm pro i'm very pro marriage but i'm also pro singleness in a new way now like i'm i'm looking at your life and the impact that you're making for the kingdom of god and some of the relationships that i know you have and and i'm going like man that is good like that kind of the whole, like, you know, God made it and he, it, it was good. He's, I mean, like that kind of thing, it wasn't like a God made it and he, 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 he didn't have a complete thing here. Like, no, like, obviously we have Jesus, Paul, there's examples through scripture of, mm -hmm. of men and women who walked out a singleness 
as a decision to to give the Lord an unreserved everything that uh, I just I, I, I don't we don't have a lot of modern day examples. Yeah. I don't think of that. And I, I just had never really seen mm-hmm. somebody walk it out as healthily as I had until I really had a chance to meet you and hear your, yeah. your journey. And um, and I, I do want to reiterate what you said kind of right in the beginning. Um, it's because um, it, this is this overlaps, obviously, to the married couples out there dating, engaged or those that would want to be the end of the day, like it, you're not going to cross the finish line of eternity and the Lord go even, you know, well done being a great husband or a great wife, <laughs> you know, or, or even parent. Right. It, it, I, I do really think you peeled it back to the, to the, to the base layer, which is well done, good and faithful servant. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, we can be a fully effective, fully fulfilled, fully on mission disciple of Jesus single, engaged, married, whatever, um, as a servant to surrender our will and our plans to him and let him lead. And that, that's just something that I wish more people could see healthy examples of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I just wonder how many people, um, maybe even missing some of, uh, some of that security and that peace that I've watched come out of you in that decision that you made, um, because they wrestle with, you know, well, this isn't what society maybe uh-huh. says, or even the church says yeah. is acceptable for leadership and ministry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you have basically blown all those things out of the water for me in, in the two years, three, two and a half years that I've known you to go. Now, this is, <laughs> this is good. This is an incredible example of a leader, a person, mm-hmm. a sister in Christ, a, a, a shepherd, a pastor, a professor, mm-hmm. et cetera, that is doing this. And, um, and I, I think it's just glorifying and honoring to the Lord. So, uh, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for sharing part of that journey. And, um, and, and I know even for people listening, I I know it'll encourage them just because there's going to be people in their life that they have that, um, whether they are single and can be encouraged and challenged the way that you just did as a single person, or they are a couple or married or whatever to go like, man, that this is I just need to look at this through a healthier lens. And maybe Mm -hmm. I have been before. You know, I think the word that comes up for me in any circumstance, I love this word is intentional. You need to be intentional. So whether you're wanting to date or you're, you're pursuing singleness or you're even community, it is not easy to be single. Yeah. You need community around you. You need people that will, you need relationships. We're created for a relationship. So doing it in the church that is so hard if you're not involved in a church, but yeah. as the church, we do need to be intentional, but you cannot be waiting for other people to be right. intentional. You have to, you know, go up and you have to say, Hey, I, I want to build a relationship. Now you want to do that in a healthy way. Again, yeah. Um, yeah. you, what I would say as a single person is that I respect marriages very strongly. And so I don't ever want to do anything that would endanger or compromise in any way, that's, that's just evil. So I'm committed to the sanctity of marriage, but we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional about our own healing. We need to be intentional about our own discipleship and we need to be intentional about building relationship. And I try to build relationship with lots of people and it doesn't work out all the time, yeah. But I am intentional. And so that's one of the things that we need to look out because we really are. A lot of times we, we fall prey to our ideas or our fears and they're just wrong. 
like uh, you maybe for a single person, well, I can't, I can't be friends with both a husband and wife. Well, why, why me? I mean, I don't know. I, what I delight in is I have different and equal relationships with different spouses. I was intentional that while I might talk with you, I really made sure that I was talking with Holly and getting to know her and getting her gifts and understanding who she was, because although you're a couple, you're also individuals. Right. And so I want you to know me, both of you, but I also want to know both, you know, of you and other people that they're just, you know, I love hanging out with one spouse, but I delight in meeting and getting to know and hang out. You know, let's just talk about Kim and Jeff. Sometimes it's way more fun to hang out with Jeff, even though Kim is delightful. <laughs> they are, uh, they are, they are, they're powerful and special people. And yes, they're unique individuals yeah. that bring to the, t I, I thought that's such a good picture even for, yeah, it's such a good picture. I just, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people even consider that world enough to, 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 to let the Lord grow maybe that place that he wants to grow in them in that way. So I, I know for me, you know, I, I, I think I've said this some, or some, some degree of this, when we had that conversation a couple of years ago with the young adult ministry, but like, I, I have a, a just a new commitment to honor and champion yeah. Um, those in my life that are single and uh, or, or feel like, man, I want to make a decision for for that, whether it be for a season or for a lifetime um, to go. And you're not going to miss out on God's best for you because yep. you've chosen that path because you're surrendering your life to him. And that's the best life you can have. Yeah. So I think whenever you operate out of your neediness, like if that's the constant place you're in, it gets really tough. So and my advice for singles is try to operate and being a blessing. That doesn't mean you're a doormat, but that you're not operating out of your neediness and that you are, you can be a blessing. That's the thing when people hang out with me, they go, Oh, she really is delightful to hang out with, but she really it's is so a true. blessing. It's so and true. again, we're moving past those suppositions that we had and yeah. it, it all needs to be couched in health. I can't emphasize this is enough you need to be working on your own health, um, yeah. but you'll also need to be intentional and take a, take a risk. Yeah. When we are all going, what can I do to feed myself? Man, community gets so small. Because Jesus is the one who's supposed to feed us and nourish us so we can care for other people. And that we need community that way. Yeah, so, so good. So good. Ah, well just refreshing talking to you catching up uh as always i leave our conversations just uh challenged to to grow in more ways than one and uh just really thankful again for the the unique window that the lord gave us to do some ministry together mm -hmm. and get to grow from you as a leader and um be encouraged by you i still find myself getting encouraged by you periodically when you know, I, whether it's a text message or even just moments or thoughts that, that happen in, in live time that I recall conversations that we had that had connection to that just so uh, so you you're continuing to make an impact here in my life and in our church. And obviously where you are now presently uh, as a professor down there at, at George Fox and the, the church. I'm, I'm envious of Lane, Pastor Lane uh, down there at the church that you're supporting and getting to be a part of now. But love that he's getting a little bit of that as well. So. Thanks for making it happen. Thanks for the time. Um, thanks for the impact you've had on my life, Pastor Kelly. It's and uh, an honor. Yeah. 
excited to continue to watch what the Lord does in and through you yeah. for the body and in the kingdom of God uh, in the days ahead. So thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. With that, everybody listening and watching, thanks for joining us. And until next time, see you later.